Jude 19, 20, Jude 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, whose responsibility, be careful now, I'm going to let you answer out loud, but I want you to be careful. Look at verse 24, whose responsibility is it to keep me from falling? Now unto him. We've got responsibilities, I'm going to be preaching about those all day long. We're going to be on that today. It's going to be a heavy part of both messages. But the ultimate responsibility of keeping me from falling is on him. Okay, now once he, once he establishes that in my heart, then I got to walk in that victory, Brother David. I can't just languish and go, without him I can do nothing, so I'm just going to do nothing. Feeling real preachy this morning, okay? My heart's on fire. The fact that without him you can do nothing does not mean you do nothing. It means you tap into that source and go, without you I can't do this, but with you I can do all things, anything, anything you want me to do. 24, now unto him that's able to keep you from falling. And look, it goes, gets better than that. And to present you faultless, that's amazing. That he's going to present the likes of us faultless to the Father. Look at this, God. You and I are going to be looking at each other going, is that King? Is that David King being presented faultless before the throne? We saw how he acted when his wife messed up his barbecue sauce. <laughs> and he is being presented faultless. Is that Doug Gregg? Presented faultless before the throne. That's what my Bible said. And then all y'all going to get together and go, is that the preacher? Presented faultless. And then we're going to do a North Carolina day law. How on earth did that happen? Right? That's the, oh, y'all, this is not a fairy tale. He is going to present you faultless to his father. That's amazing. Able to present you faultless, keep you from falling, uh, but to the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. It will not be hard to fulfill, verse 25, glory, majesty, dominion, and power to the one who just presented us faultless to the Father. We're going to shout, okay? If you don't like shouting, you better get used to it, okay? I don't like it when it's in the flesh, but I like it when it's real. And let me tell you something, that's something to shout about. Now look at today's text, and that is verse number uh, 21b. I, I didn't finish, keep yourselves in the love of God. How can you finish that, right? You just give it to them, and you know that if you keep going, you're going to wear out the saints and so you just move on, okay? There's so much there. I preached three or four messages, at least four, out of keep yourselves in the love of God. Look at 21b. Looking 
for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, I'm just going to be real honest with you. You would hope that your preacher would be, right? I, I, I read that phrase, and I read it over, and I read it over, and I read it over again. And I was like, okay, looking for the mercy of God, looking for the mercy of God, looking for the mercy of God. Lord, what are you trying to, to tell me from that? And, and I, I believe if I'd have studied and meditated long enough, I'd have come up with that. I said, what do other spirit-filled writers say about that phrase? And it was like the Holy Spirit said, you're not going far enough, egghead. Looking for the mercy of of our Lord Jesus Christ, look at the last three words, unto eternal life. I'm preaching in the second service a passage that nobody agrees on. Okay, when you read one of those, you're like, okay, whatever I preach is fair game because nobody else agrees. They're almost unanimous on this phrase here that unto eternal life is the key to that phrase, and, and here's where just about, maybe every, but I'm afraid to say every, almost every author that I read after, and, and even listened to some messages from this verse where they went to, they said, he, when he saved us, he, he gave us life that never ends. We, we know that, John three sixteen. Whosoever believes in the Lord, everlasting life. We understand that. But the key to this verse in the book of Jude is eternal life, meaning not the fact that I have eternal life in me now through Jesus Christ, but the eternal life that I am going to experience eternally. In other words, where I am headed to spend eternity. Let me illustrate this. If I said, who in this room has eternal life? I hope every saved person would go, glory to God, I do. I'm saved for eternity. Everyone is. At the same time, unless the Lord comes back and gets us in the rapture, everybody in this room also knows we're going to attend each other's funerals. Okay? That was a very odd way to say that because you don't attend each other's funerals. If somebody attends yours, You don't attend each other's funerals. We might come to yours, but you ain't coming to ours. But who's got eternal life? Woo! Woo! I got eternal life. If you don't, if if he don't come back and get you, you're gonna die. So when he says, looking for the mercy of God unto eternal life, here is what he is saying. You keep your eyes on the way this thing is gonna finish up. So I've titled it this morning, Keep Your Eyes on the Prize. You go, oh, Brother Ray, you're you're just an IFB. You just found a catchy title somewhere online. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. It is so easy. Every one of us knows heaven awaits. Every one of us knows that 100 years from now, Miss Laura, it's all going to be okay. Can I get a witness? Every, every, the youngest person in this room a hundred years from now knows where they're going to be if they've put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's not a hundred years from now that I'm worried about. It's this week. Right? A hundred years from now, I've heard Mamaw say it. I'm going to be shouting on the hills of glory. A hundred years from now, everything's good. This week... I got a family situation. This week, I got a financial situation. This week, I've got a church family that needs me. This week, right? This week, I need him to answer a minimum of five prayers. 
right? And so here's what he said. And here's the tragedy of it all. I got one better than that for you. You know where you're going to be 100 years from now. You know where you're going to be. And they won't, we won't even be measuring time by then. You know where you're going to be 1,000 years from now, 10,000 years from now. We can't get our finite mind around infinity. We don't understand it. Live forever. God's always been. How can that be? You accept it by faith. I don't understand it. Anybody who tells me they do is nuts. They don't understand that. You can't understand it. We're finite. Everything for us has a beginning and an ending. And so we know where we're going to be millions and years. It's going to last so long we won't even measure. Time will be no more is what your Bible says. The problem for us, Mark, is between now and then. And Jude knew that, and the Holy Ghost knew that, and he said, if you are going to finish well, you are going to have to keep your mind and your heart on eternity. Okay, look at 21 again. Keep yourselves in the love of God. We've preached that. Here's my text. Look at it. Look at it closely. Looking for. Listen to me. This isn't in my notes, but I've got to say it. You have never found anything you weren't looking for. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I want you for the next half hour to keep your mind, to get your mind out of these, this, what the Bible refers to in one place, this present distress. Is that not an awesome phrase? And, and Paul, when he wrote it, was literally talking about a, a famine, a very horrible situation that his people were having to deal with. The, the churches he was responsible for, he referred to it as the present distress. That is an amazing phrase. Present tense means right now, and we all know what distress means. Okay, and what I wanted for about half an hour is just lift your eyes below, above this. And out there. And the next time you feel yourself tempted to go down here, would you ask the Holy Ghost to just elbow you in the ribs real good and lift your mind to the prize that awaits us? So here's what we're going to do. How, how many of you think Peter, James, and John are good? So I know the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, but humanly speaking, based on what we know about those three men, handpicked by Jesus, they were in the 12, they were in the what's normally referred to as the inner circle, and of those three, John was so close to him, there's nothing inappropriate about this at all. Culturally, it was very common. He literally laid his head on Jesus' breast more than once, okay? Very appropriate situation there that you have to explain in the culture that we live in today. How many of you agree Peter, James, and John are, are good men to see what they have to say about eternity? And then can I add Brother Paul? He's an apostle born out of due time. Right, he said, God's timeline in my life was different, but had it been synonymous with those other men, if God's purpose had allowed it, he would have been one of the 12. God wanted him to come along later and, uh, and, and do the ministry that God gave him. So we're going to look at those four men, and I want to show you similarities. I, they don't even overlap. They literally stack on top of each other. And I want to challenge you in three areas of life Number one, your reward. 
Number two, your righteous walk. Number three, your relationships. Look at 2 Timothy 4. We're going to look at uh, what, what, one of Paul's statements. We're going to see what these three men said about eternity. Look at verse number 7. 2 Timothy 4, verse number 7. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your mind, keep your focus on what's out there in the future. Don't get consumed with this temporal world. The Bible says abstain from fleshly lust. The word means desires. It is not simply referring to sexual matters. Abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Not all of those fleshly lusts are in and of themselves wrong. But focused on them, they will war against your soul and you'll be back where we were about a year, a little over a year ago where the Lord just had me park on this idea of temporal and eternal. Temporal and eternal. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Listen to me, that's not just words. I met a man, he's still alive and well, 20 years ago, and I think it was just something, Miss Danielle, that he had incorporated into his vernacular to remind himself that no man's promised tomorrow. But whenever you spoke to him, you'd say, uh, will you be at the meeting next week? And he'd say, if the Lord lets me live. And, and, and he said it in such a way that you're like, is there a terminal illness here that I'm not? I mean, every time you saw him, it was like, if God's gracious and grants me another day, I'll, I'll see you Friday. I know no man is promised tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. But if you ask me, Brother Ains, where are you, you know, what, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I'm doing tomorrow. Now, I hope I do what James said and I say, Lord willing. But this brother, every time it was just like, you know, if God gives me the breath to do it, I'm, well, you look like you're breathing fine. You know, what is, is there something we need to know? You know, are you contagious? And his point was, I'm not promised that. But I think what he was doing, he, he was so eternally focused, he didn't take anything that was temporal for granted. In other words, Paul is not just talking here. He has literally finished his course. And he's got his eyes out there. Look at eight. Henceforth, therefore, because so that there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only. Stop. Don't look, don't look at the last line. You, you, don't, you lost ten points if you looked at the last line. Most of us, Brother Rudy, would read that verse and go, well, preacher, that's all well and good. Paul's looking forward to standing before God because he's going to get a crown. And, and, you know, I mean, I ain't Paul. Right? Look at the last line. Somebody done cheated and already looked. And not to me only, but unto all them also that. Oh, no, that's not right. That can't be right. It, it should have that long list in 2 Corinthians. Thrice I was beaten with rods. A night in the deep. Somebody tell me a few more things Paul suffered. Stoned. 
shipwrecked. How many of you think Paul ought to get a crown for all that? Do you know why we get one? Loving is appearing. Come here. You're Paul. We're in the crown line. Paul, say here, suffered, beaten with rods three times. Y'all ever seen those Asian, y'all know what beaten with rods, that means beaten with rods. It's not a figure of speech, beaten with rods. You was beaten with rods, right? Okay. Um, Shipwrecked, stoned, um, that which becometh, that which is upon me daily, the care of all the churches, a whole bunch of other stuff, right? You get a crown. What do you say? There we go. What'd you do? I loved his appearing. Got up and went to work. Fed my family. Gave the Lord what was his. Tried to support some missionaries. When I heard Brother Ron was taking another family to be church planters, I thought I'd buy him a biscuit at Bojangles on the way. You was really looking for me to come, weren't you, son? Yes, sir, the best I knew how. Here's your crown. That's what my Bible says. If y'all were here in the January meeting, Brother Jeff Kelly, a friend of mine whose grandfather was Milford Biddle, tremendous man of God, well-known, widely known man of God. Uh, Brother Jeff testified one night. We, I thanked him for his friendship and his faithfulness one night. The next service, I believe it was, Brother Gene, I believe it was a morning service. It may not have been. I made this statement. I said, how many of you have heard of Milford Biddle? Everybody in here said, yeah. I mean, if they've, even if they'd never seen him, they'd heard the name, they'd heard about his memorization of Scripture, they knew about his ministry. I said, that's amazing, isn't it? They said, yeah. I said, how many of you have ever heard of Gene Ritchie? He was in the service, and they were like, we don't know who you're talking about. I said, he's right here. I said, did you know that for 25-plus years he was a faithful deacon in the ministry of Brother Milford Biddle? I said, not... Nobody knows that name. You don't have to be Paul. You don't have to be Larry Range. You don't have to be Milford Biddle. You don't have to be Jim Elliott who died on the mission field with a spear through his heart. The Bible says if you'll love my appearing, you'll love me and look for me. You say, Brother Raines, is it really that easy? It is absolutely that easy. What is the opposite of love in his appearing? You get so depressed and overwhelmed with the cares of this life, you throw your hands up and go, this is all a bunch of junk. Oh, it's easy to, and they've had their share of troubles, right, church? It's, easy, it's easier to rejoice when, he's, when you got so many answers to prayer, you dot, you log in them in the journal, right? And they've had their share, and I'm glad the Lord gave them a breather. Say amen. But when, when you pray about it and it gets worse instead of better, when you pray, when you lay it all on the altar, and it, he don't answer. Just flat, no, he did. it wasn't the answer we was wanting. Right? Right? And you say, I'm going to love him anyway. That's love in his appearing. That's love in his appearing, and the Bible says that is crown worthy. Okay, thank you. Here's, here's what point number one is all about. There is a reward in heaven for those who love him and serve him faithfully. 
And the Bible says don't be sitting around here comparing yourselves. Now, Brother Fred, if you see something in a brother that stirs something inside of you and makes you want to do more for the Lord, now that's a good kind of comparison. But looking around the church going, well, I can't do what he does and I can't give what she does and I can't, I can't. That's the kind of comparison that will rob you of all your joy. But if you'll love him and serve him faithfully in the row that he has put you in. Okay, we used to say your cornrow, stay in your cornrow. Don't enough of us have cornrows anymore. That's why we have to say stay in your lane. I need a witness right there. I wish I had some country folk in the church. Okay, we used to say just hoe your tater row. You say that right now and everybody's going, what does what hoe a tater row mean? What's a tater? What's a tater? Y'all with me? Be faithful and you get a reward. He said, well, Brother Reigns, what's that big deal in Revelation about crowns at his feet? Because the minute he puts that crown on your head, you're going to go back to John 15, 5. Without him, I could have done nothing. And Jesus, I'm just going to give this back to you. That 15 seconds was awfully nice, but this is yours. So when the cares of this life overwhelm you, keep your eyes on the prize and remember, number one, there's going to be a reward. Number two, go to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's look at 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Did y'all know that that verse is still in the Bible? You, You ought not to... Ask what's wrong with this, what's wrong with this, what's wrong with this movie, what's wrong with this outfit, what's wrong with this song, what's wrong with this. How about let's start going, what's right with it? We only do that with Jesus. I need a witness. If my friendliness crossed the line into flirtiness, and I know I'm too old to flirt. Somebody's like, you need to look in the mirror. Have you seen that belly and that white head of hair? Don't don't be don't even go there, preacher. Okay, if my if I went from friendly to flirty, and we got in the car, and Chris said I, that, that didn't look right. Y'all, everybody, all right? See, we don't we get it in every other area of life, but when it comes to us and Jesus, we're like, oh, that's legalistic. Oh, you're judgmental. And and I and I if I bow up in the back and I go, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? you? Jealous? That would not be the right thing to say. But when I get defensive, I am telling you there's a heart issue. Right? Right? Now, ladies, if, if you've got something going on and, you know, a, a hello, you know, sends you off the deep end, you need to talk to Miss Grizz and let her help you. Say amen right there. She can take you to the health food store. I don't need God to have to sit me down and and explain to me what's wrong with everything I ought not to be doing. I ought to know in my heart it's the right thing to do. And if I'll just do what's right, I won't need him correcting me and telling me what's wrong with everything I'm trying to do. A mirror would help a lot of people. I'm not even sure they make full-length mirrors anymore. I I think it's just those little short ones. Amen right there. Amen. That's not today's message, but uh, a full-length mirror, bend over, lean over, turn around, hold one up, and look at the backside and see what the rest of us are having to look at. Right? Ain't that good? That's right. Y'all didn't know that's how mirrors worked. Oh, that's what they're seeing. Oh, 
ah, I need to buy 16 instead of a 12. <laughs> right? That's right. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you partially. Holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who called you who also will do it. He'll do it if you let him. He'll do the work. And, and you'll say, oh, well, I won't like it. I'll be squirming and wiggling going, no, no, don't take that from me. Don't, don't stop that. No, no, no. You're loving him, just like point one. You're loving him so much you're going, this is amazing. The God of the universe is taking interest in me. That's how you look at sanctification. Let's keep going. So, so that's Paul, Second Peter 3, quickly. Second Peter 3, 13. Okay, we heard from Paul. Let's see what Peter said. Uh, Verse number 13. Nevertheless, we, he didn't say you, he said we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth, say it. Okay, so is Peter keeping his eye on the prize? Is he looking way down the road? Absolutely. Wherefore, beloved, he's not mad at him. He's not calling them ugly names. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you one more let's see what John said go to First uh, John chapter 3 should be over just a couple pages number one was reward there is a reward for those who love him and serve him faithfully 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, I need, I, I need to insert this right quick. Have you noticed how often that word keeps popping up? Let people know you love them. Hey, parent, child, brothers, what, whatever your role is, stay in your lane. But, but man, let them know that you love them. Man, I'll take some preaching from somebody that I know who loves me. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now, right here, today. Not tomorrow, today. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Is, is, is John's eye on the prize? Is John looking down the road? Yeah, it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Every man that hath this hope in him, purifieth himself even as he is pure. Brother Ains, what does that mean? Let's read. Let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you what it means. It, I'm getting ready to go meet my Savior, and I want to be ready. And here's how I try to live, Brother Michael. I come short, and I, I want to grow. I, I don't want to be phone or device, whatever. I don't want to be watching anything I wouldn't want to be watching when he came. I wouldn't want to be in a conversation that I shouldn't be in when he came. I wouldn't want to be appareled in anything I wouldn't want to be in when he came. The list just goes on and on. I wouldn't want to be in a place that I wouldn't want to be in when he came. Say, Brother Ains, if you were in a place you shouldn't be, would you still get raptured? Absolutely. I'm born again. My, My hope is in him. But the Bible says I would be ashamed at his appearing. I'm not trying to live by anybody's rules. 
I'm not trying to live by a dogma that was passed on to me from another generation. God has taken his word and put that in my heart. And my motivation for living, loving, serving, viewing, wearing, watching, listening to all of the above, my motivation for every bit of that is love. Not a bit of bondage going on in this fat boy. Really? Really? I'm not, oh, oh. Oh, the preacher won't like the preacher. I, I, oh, the, the preacher might see me. I ain't worried about the preacher seeing me. I'm worried about appearing. I'm, I'm not even worried about it. I'm, I'm, cons- I'm interested in appearing before God. And when he comes, I'll be like him for I'll see him as he is. Here's how simple your preacher is, Logan. I'm a simple man. Would Jesus listen to this? Then I can. Would Jesus watch this? Then I can. Would Jesus put this on? Then I can. You say, Brother Ains, I'm not sure Jesus wear this. I really don't think he wants me to look like I'm, I'm in Palestine 2,000 years ago. I would have no witness in, the, in Hendersonville, North Carolina, if I looked like if I was in Palestine 2,000 years ago. Right? Your Bible has numerous occasions. I, I, my Bible reading yesterday, uh, it was talking about Samson and, uh, and that, that party he threw for his groomsmen. On his, I think it was his third wedding. I forget which one it was. He, 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 Samson had women problems. And, uh, and it said, so used the young men to do. And, and, and it was just like the Bible acknowledges that customs, customs come and go. But right never changes. So number one is my reward. Number two is a righteous walk. I refuse to get up every morning with a tormented mind. Does Dr. So-and-so approve of this? Does My wife's been reading so-and-so's book. What did she say? I refuse to live under that torment. I, I just live my life every day, Seth, going, Jesus is coming and I want to be ready. It goes so much further, but that, that's what I wanted to give you uh, this morning. Now, I, wanna, I, wanna, I got one more relationships. And this is amazing. Go to James 5. Looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your mind, keep your affection set on the fact that Jesus is coming. Look at James 5. Look at verse 7. This is incredible. Y'all, everybody look at your Bible. That is a masterpiece of divine truth. Build your life on it. I got to tell you this, Miss Danielle. You, you, you remember those messages Brother Knox preached last year. Oh, my word. I think he took it up a notch this week. His church goes to downtown DeLand, Florida. Not a huge metropolitan place. A small to medium-sized southern town. One and a half hours on Friday afternoons with Scripture cards. Not hateful language. This is faithful saying Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am. But truth, but they're not there saying God hates you and you're going to rot in hell and we're glad, we'll be glad. You know, it's, it's, and he said once in a while because there's a lot of traffic, but when a, if a crowd ever gathers, one of them in will lift his voice and preach us a very simple gospel message. One and a half hours a week. And they are a thorn in the side 
of Deland, Florida. They say, you're hurting tourism. You're doing this. You're doing that. And he said, you know, they can do rock concerts. They can do, y'all know what goes on in the, the city next to us. And, and everybody says, that's okay. But Christians singing and holding up Bible verses, you know, is an offense. And here's, here's what he said. He said, y'all, God's blessed our church and there's enough people here. I can have somebody here every hour of every day around the clock. That we, we, one shift, leave, and the other one come. He said, we've chosen one and a half hours a week to tell people Jesus loves them and will save them. And this world does not want to hear that message. And I'm just telling you, this world is no friend to grace. You say, Brother Rains, that's an odd phrase. There's an old hymn. We don't sing it very much. Is this cruel world a friend to grace? And the answer is no. That's why we are called to be lights. And I said all that to say this. That is why the very, the, the next point that we're going to look at sounds Wow, preacher, you talked about rewards in heaven. And wow, preacher, you talked about a holy life between now and then. And you're really going to end up here? Yes, and here's why. Here's what the devil will try to do to disrupt and keep us from that reward in heaven and from living a holy life, and it's our relationships. Let me show you exactly what I mean. And I know this is where we've been on Wednesday. I get it. But it's amazing to me that so look, look at seven. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Wow, this is, I'll bet this is going to be a rich doctrinal truth about the second coming of Jesus, which Progress Baptist Church knows is different from the rapture. Right? Hey, oh, wow, this is going to be awesome. Behold the husbandman, that's Michael, taking care of his squash and tomatoes and potatoes and peppers. The husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it. We don't, but he does. Until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And all God's people said, that ain't the end. Look at the next line. Grudge not. Does that astonish anybody but me? James, you've just lived. Woo! Jesus is coming. He's going to stand on the Mount of Olives. That's exactly right. And I want you and Jake getting along. Oh, I'm, I'm so heavenly minded. I'm no earthly good. I'm beyond that. No, you ain't. I saw you when he got your parking space. Right? Grudge not one against another, brethren. Get along. Oh, man, can we not stay in the heavenlies? Can we not not just stay in the heavenlies? No, because you ain't getting along. And this lost world knows it. Number one, your reward. And all God's people said. Number two, righteous walk. And all God's people said. Number three, relationships. Oh, brother. I was so glad I came to church. I thought that was the Wednesday night series. It is. Surprise. (laughs) We're hitting it on Sunday. Why? Because God did. Keep going. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. The judge standeth at the door. I love that last line. You know what he's saying? The judge is going to take care of all that. God 
Seth is a jerk. A real jerk. The jerk of all jerks. Don't worry about him. The judge is at the door. He's going to take care of Seth. I know why y'all quiet. Because you're going, no, Seth ain't a jerk, but I can tell you who he is. Preacher, you in the wrong, you in the wrong section. Who we shall see in the last day in all his glory. You and Fred need to be getting along. You couldn't have left us in the heavenlies? We just getting along? No, because we ain't in the heavenlies. We in the earthlies. I have not been in a church in years where the pastor, I mean, I'm talking 10 people, I'm talking 200 people, you name it, where before it was over, the preacher didn't say, help me pray about a situation. He said, Brother Ryan, does that weaken your uh, respect for those people? No, people are people wherever you go. You can go to Dad's place in New Mexico where there's the pastor and two families and they're mad at each other over something somebody wrote on Facebook. If you've got two families and they're about to split, it's going to happen everywhere else. I told you this one. I'm just going to cram it in here like Chuck Swindoll. He said, I don't know if this fits, but I'm going to cram it in here. I, the largest church I've ever preached in haven't been invited back. That, that makes me sad. Uh, I, I preached on uh, bitterness and jealousy and division. And uh, I don't know if it's the one Billy and Beverly have heard 12 times or not, but I, I preached. And, uh, and the pastor, I'm telling you, everybody in here, we would have sat in that church and gone. I mean, you had to do this to see all the sections. And y'all are going, what were you doing there? I am still trying to figure that out. Okay? And the preacher pulled me off to the side. He said, pray for me, Brother Doug. Two families were in court today at each other. And here's what he said that ripped my heart out. He said, it's gone on long enough now to where the church has taken sides. You know who's the author of that? One person, the devil. Don't do it. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. When a stalker at Sam's who get a little circle invitation from a, 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 young, a young man and go, I need that, that makes any of our personality conflicts minuscule, worthless. She's got a loved one close to death begging God to open his eyes to the truth. He's blinded by, get this, religion. If he stumbled in here on a walker, on a cane, in a wheelchair, one service, and had one last opportunity to hear the truth, we want the Holy Spirit of God to have free right away. So here's that amazing. Number, number three is our relationships. One more verse and I'm done. First Peter. We've looked at uh, Paul, Peter, James, and John on these three issues of keeping our focus on things eternal, keeping our eyes on the prize. First Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Is that a blessing? Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, clothed with for God resisteth the proud, giveth grace to the humble. Look at 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Really? The king of glory shall appear. The chief shepherd shall appear. And a crown here. And a... 
Y'all be humble now. Y'all bear one another's burdens now. Y'all submit one to another. Just walk around your church submitting one to another. I'll submit to 99% of them, but have you met her? I'll submit to 99% of them, but do you know him? Yeah. There's no exception clause in there. We need each other. I don't remember the situation. Well, I do. It was Brother Wells. Listen, I'm, I'm done, church. I'm done. I, I don't think the request got here on Wednesday. I know it didn't. It happened on Thursday. My friend, Brother Wells, who's done our last two marriage matters, ha, ha, going through just a never-ending crisis with a premature grandbaby. And that grandbaby has a... I, I want to say eight, but don't hold me to that. Your old brother run over by a tractor Thursday afternoon. He's he's lived and he's going to be okay. Got some healing, a lot of healing, but he's going to be okay. But, but, but Brother Rudy, we got that text from my mother. She had talked to the child's grandmother and, and great-grandmother, and, and mom was just, oh, she was so tore up on the phone. And here's what I thought. I'm glad I'm not at odds with that family and I'm able to go to my knees and pray for him. And I'm glad I haven't grieved the Holy Ghost in my life so much that I can't pray for somebody in a crisis. That's why. That's why we keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace is because we've got to have it. We've